0: thewellnesscouch.com streaming wellness
1: into your lives If you've ever wanted to meet the person behind the person, to hear the story behind the story, or just want to learn what makes successful people tick, how they navigate through the tough times, and how you can apply what they do to help in your journey, then stick around and join Global Change CEO-turned-mentor Stu Hayes as he asks questions just like these to our amazing guests each week on Careers Unplugged.
0: If you feel being happy, committed, and passionate about your career is important, You are absolutely in the right place. My name is Stu Hayes, and this week on Careers Unplugged, we have an amazing guest talking about one of my favorite sports, which is running, as well as some fabulous topics, including career transition, career change, getting around good people, a whole bunch of things. And in fact, it's going to be following our recent theme on this show of exploring the journey or the career journey of professional athletes. Indeed, our guest today is an Olympian, a triple Australian champion middle distance runner and an Australian record holder who, not surprisingly, has extended his passion for sport through study in exercise science, governance and leadership, and has worked with Hawthorne and Essendon AFL clubs as well as Athletics Australia. Phew, I need to have a breath. Geoff Risley, it is my great pleasure to welcome you to Careers Unplugged. Hey Stuart, thanks for having me. You're very welcome, mate. So you're a runner. I love running. It's been it's been my favourite sport almost my entire life. Ever since I saw Robert De Costello win the eighty-two Commonwealth Games marathon, which was well before you were born. Was it eighty-two 82? Brisbane? Eighty-two was Brisbane. Exactly. It yeah. was an epic race. I was twelve, and I yeah. I was allowed to go to school late because this was a it was an amazing race. He was miles behind. Uh, about two hundred, two hundred and fifty metres behind, and uh, he caught up and won it. Okay. Um, and that caused me to, to start to start running, and uh, ultimately um, falling in love with the sport. So talk about talk about running for you. This is what you're doing now as a yep. as a professional athlete. But how did it all get started?
2: Um. Yeah. It started. I was actually switching primary schools. We'd moved houses, and Mum sort of used athletics as a way to sort of for me to get out and meet some of the kids that I was going to be attending my new primary school with, you know, to sort of help that transition and just sort of fell in love with it. Um, I uh, was under 9 and under 10 uh, state high jump champion, so that was sort of my my thing, high jump. Um, you know, even in year 12, I got second at the state champs and jumped two meters, so but the more I ran, the worse my high jump got um, just because the legs got more and more tied. But yeah, sort of always sort of ran from a young age. Um, I was a bit of a late bloomer. So from sort of year seven to year 11, I didn't, well, I still ran because I loved it, but I couldn't do it very well at all. Um, and then I sort of went from being, you know, the tallest in grade six to being sort of just medium in a row and then grew a lot. And, you know, when I grew and everything, sort of the running ability sort of came back. And uh, you being a old collegian, remember, um, or went to school with James McInery and, he was one forty seven eight hundred meter runner, um, and you know multiple state champion, and he was sort of the one who who guided me back into it.
0: Well, he was a legendary runner. Um, in fact, as we were just sharing offline before the call started, um, completely nailed me and surprised me when I was uh, expecting to win a certain race a long time ago in the eight hundred.
2: Yeah, so I, I sort of said to him, you know, I want to come and join your club and. He sort of said, look, um, you know, my club's a bit of an older club and there's not many young people. I think you should join the Knox Athletics Club and there's a really good junior coach down there, a lot of good runners and um, I pretty much went down there and,
0: you know. So what what age are you now? uh, 27 now. At that time when you were um, started, when you went down to Knox? Um,
2: It was year 12, so I was 17 Um, and like I had really good success straight away. well, not really good ses- success, but I, for me, I just kept improving, which was, you know, what I loved, you know, going down and, and running a PB. There's sort of nothing sort of better than that. And I was sort of fifth at state championships as an under-20 in in sort of, um, yeah, in the state champs. And I sort of just had no real direction and um, sort of fell out of the sport a bit. Uh, like I left Masanol Ma- College and I ended up going down and joining the um, – as an Old Collegians Under 19 Football Club and enjoyed sort of playing Saturday football and, you know, enjoyed sort of Saturday night with the guys and that sort of team camaraderie. And, and then the 2006 Commonwealth Games sort of came around and I sort of started running a little bit by then, but um, it was sort of really. So you,
0: you went uh, as a spectator in 06.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's this. Yeah, this is the phenomenal thing. So I went as a spectator in 06. Yeah, and then. Um, so I didn't even have the qualifying time to attend the Commonwealth Games trials. That's sort of the level where I was at. Um,
0: yeah, and then the qualifying I got, time to, get to buy a ticket.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had the qualifying time to buy a ticket, and then I sort of went there with my brother, and I saw th- maybe three sessions, and I was there for Craig Mottram's five thousand meters against Augustine Chagi where they ran sub thirteen minutes, which is just yeah, one of the all-time great races, and. Um, you know, I just remember standing there with sort of 80,000 people sort of standing up and cheering on Craig. He took the lead with about 600 to go and um, it's sending shivers down my spine right now, actually. And from there, I thought, you know, this is what I want to do. I've got to give this a bit of a crack. And
0: Was that a, was that a turning point for you at the time, like when you were in the stadium or was it just getting back home and reflecting on it or what happened?
2: Yeah, it's just a turning point there. I, you know, I actually ran the cross, the, the track season and, and um, I ran 150 and I actually did a race in Box Hill, and I beat two two of the uh, a Kiwi and a English representative who were doing the uh, fifteen hundred over eight hundred. Um, and at the time, I wasn't doing much training, and um, yeah, it was sort of just that moment. And I pretty much went away from there, and I gave the footy away, obviously, and and worked hard through the cross country season, which is sort of you know an important time of year for 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 distant runners. You know, you, you do the cross country season, you get really fit, and that sort of carries you through the track season, and. You know I did all that, and then I ended up making the world championships in two thousand and seven, so I had a pretty um, incredible transition from sort of watching to then being a part of it
0: within a year what was it like when you when you walked into the stadium at the world titles
2: um, yeah it was it was it was scary um, you know I was my first major champs um, and you know, I was I was sort of twenty. Like that was the first time I'd ever been overseas. I'd never owned a passport. I'd never spent you know longer than a few days away from from Big Mama. And uh, you know, all she of a had
0: sudden, a good roommate, Jeff.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, like you know, you got to grow up fast when you sort of thrown you're thrown into Europe, and you know, you're cooking and cleaning and doing all these things that you never used to have to do. A bit embarrassed to say that. Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you're competing against you know the best guys in the world who are, you know, they're 27 and 28 or whatever, you know, they're older and they're just hardened fit and yeah, I uh, obviously didn't, I, like I, I ran 147, which was good, um, but it's sort of just been such a, a big year that I was sort of
0: on on my way down in terms of performance and for the listeners, just can we just paint the picture there in terms of the times. The winner of the Olympic Games, and I know the Olympic Games are not always a fast race, but what's the yeah. winner you normally get for an 800?
2: Well, the the winner that year actually ran 147 in Osaka for the 07 World Champs. It was it was a really slow tactical race, um, you know. But but generally, the guys who are making finals are sort of 143, 144 guys. Um, so I was I was a little bit off, but it was. You know, I I got selected, um, they have A standards and B standards um, and I I had the B standard and they sort of selected me based on, you know, being 20 and coming from nowhere and and obviously showing a lot of ability and it was more of a learning thing for me um, than about, you know, going there and, and, you know, having success.
0: So here's a question then, you know, you've come not from – A decade of being of competing at a state level uh aside from high high jump of course yeah um at little athletics but is there are you lacking because of that when you get to that age you know do you not because you haven't got five or ten years of hardness in you yeah um or is that actually an an advantage because you haven't got 10 years of stress in your legs either
2: yeah I, i think it's yeah i think it's an advantage for me you know not sort of like, the biggest thing for me was I I didn't know anything about training. Um, and I, I had a great coach and um, he was still probably learning a lot himself. And, you know, I, it wasn't until I was sort of surrounded by, you know, more of the top runners that I started to learn what was required and learned that I was nowhere near that. And sort of, you know, from 06 when I left the stadium, it was just a really big learning year. Like, I went from running maybe... 25 to 40 kilometers a week to sort of running 80 kilometers a week and you know now I've had years where I've run 160 so I still sort of was still learning and, and and progressing and um yeah it was just a just a big learning curve and you know I sort of made my first Olympic team I guess in a bit of a different sort of way and I went there and I, I actually um I got I got sick in um in Hong Kong in the in the training camp um and I flew into Beijing with a raincoat on and freezing cold and even though it was thirty degrees and mm. I kinda got quarantined and I tried to get myself back and like I was feeling better but and then I, I my first heat ended up being they ran the Olympic record in my heat. Um, yeah. Rashid yeah. Ramsey who later got um rubbed out for drugs because he won. He won, he had to give away his gold medal. You know, they set off at a frantic pace, and I'd just been sick. And oh, I, I, after two laps, I was dropped. And I remember running through the stadium and having eighty thousand people watching, and thinking how many people are home, home watching. And I can't do anything about this. I can't physically get myself into the race. Like I'm, I'm coughing as I'm going around. And I ran one. Uh, I ran three fifty four. Um and I distinctly remember swing because there's there's timing clocks on every hundred. Yep. Yeah. And I distinctly remember turning into the home straight, seeing three thirty-two nine, and I still hadn't come into the straight yet. So they'd finished and I still had a hundred metres to run. And I remember getting off the track and just thinking, you know, I just I nearly cried. Um and and to put this into perspective, I've run three fifty-one for a mile and I just ran three fifty-four for fifteen hundred. Um and that was that was really tough for me. My first Olympics, twenty-one years old. Um, what did you learn from that? Um, well, well, I sort of, sort of crucified myself for the next few days, and you know, I was thinking, you know, because like I wasn't making much money out of it, and I was thinking maybe I'll go and get a job. And I pretty much grew up from nineteen to twenty-one with my mates, like going out on a Saturday night. But I was super disciplined and. I'd drive and I'd never drink. Like I never really, I kind of missed my childhood a bit because I was just so dedicated to what I wanted to do. And just all these sort of things in my mind sort of was like, you know, maybe I won't do this. And, yeah, I didn't run for like a month or more. And I sort of got home and, and it sunk in that, you know, I, like I'm good at this and I really want to I want to make something of it. I came out and I ran. I just, I didn't lose a race in Australia and I think I beat the olympic champ that year and um around 332 145 351 mile and i sort of actually really sort of changed the landscape of running in australia not to big head myself but when i first started running in 07 a lot of, a lot of the times were you know that the barriers for for distance runners in australia and the standard was sort of 340 for 1500 and 147 for, for 800 and we are sort of stuck in that in that sort of time frame and and people sort of set themselves those sort of goals that that's what you need to do and and they were the they were the standards required to make the Commonwealth Games so I think it sort of stemmed a little bit from that like people wanted to just do the sort of not the bare minimum but you know it's a tough sport and I sort of came through and I sort of just smashed through that and the more times you get when you get knocked down real hard you really sort of explore yourself and you
0: just question everything and well, there's that old saying, isn't there? You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and one thing I pride myself on personally is, you know, that resilience and that character to be able to bounce back. Just yeah. well, ability-
0: reflecting as you talk though, um, Jeff, we had a guy, Stephen Bradbury, on the on the show um, yeah. uh, last year, gold medalist, Olympic Games. He talked about, you know, what what an extraordinary run of hardships that he'd had yeah um, you know, losing liters of blood on the rink, all sorts of stuff, yeah um, and then of course, famously came out and won the gold medal that no one was expecting, um, yeah when everyone fell over yeah, um, but actually, the fact that he was still standing um, was because of his resilience over years and years and years and yeah, and what what actually happened, what he shared was that uh, just before the gold medal um, skate. That was the time that he reflected on just how damn satisfied, and that was the purple moment.
2: And that's one thing I think, as an athlete, and I think a lot of athletes, um, and especially when you're sort of young and you can see the goal there, you want to get there as fast as you can. Mm. And you, you, you sort of you don't stop to enjoy the journey. Um, and, and as an athlete, you don't have, there's a lot more lows than highs. And you sort of never really have a chance to sit down and say, well, you know, I had a great race. I won. You know, like, uh, you know, life's great. Whereas for a long time, my mindset was, yeah, well, that's good. I've got to be better. Um, and I've got to get out for my 90 minute run tomorrow. I've got to fly back to London. You know, I've got to get back, you know, on the, the train and I've got to move on to the next thing. And I never really stopped to enjoy it. And um, yeah, 2000. What's 2000- happening now? No, so 2012 was obviously a big, big change for me and I actually left my manager and my coach and I changed everything because I just had to get away and I had to change, I had to try something new. Um, I had a really bad injury, had osteitis pubis and I I missed sort of four months and got myself going again. I just kept breaking down and, you know, there's questions whether my body would actually allow me to do it and um, my, my, my now coach, Andrew Russell, who's the high performance manager at Hawks, he's just... He's just one of those guys who you talk to him and, he, you know, you think you can do anything in the world. And he sort of really inspired me to get back. And, you know, we, we ha- and this year I probably had the best year of my career. I, I finished fifth twice at the Commonwealth Games, ran an Australian record, national title, you know. But I, I also learned to say, you know what, well, I'm only going to listen to the people that I actually worry care about. Um, You know, actually, um, one of my things that I, that that was actually pretty important for, for com games was I made a decision to delete social media for the two weeks because I didn't want to read anything about myself or I didn't want to peep, like I didn't want to get tagged in tweets where, you know, people were whatever, like judging my performance and I didn't want to be caught up in it. I just wanted to be in the village and, just be committed to my goal and just enjoying it. I didn't want to be drawn into crap, <laughs> into <laughs> bullshit. Um, yeah, it worked, worked really well.) <laughs>
1: It from a business coach or mentor who's the real deal or from a training program customized to fix real problems or help you and your team hit actual KPIs and performance targets? Stuart Hayes stepped away from his career as a global change CEO and committed to mentoring, coaching and training a new generation of leaders as well as anyone seeking positive impact through their business or career. Visit StuartHayesLeadership.com now. Book a free one-hour strategy session with Stuart and learn how you can get the skills, training and knowledge normally limited to selected staff within tier one multinational organisations. Programs are available for every need and budget.
0: Let's have a change of direction. Uh, I mean, I could talk about running for a long time, as I said, yeah. um, but you're a professional athlete. It's not yep. the highest paid sporting pursuit in the world, um, being a track yes. and field. Certainly not, no. Um, how's life? I mean, how, you know... How long can you sustain being a runner? I'm,
2: I'm actually one of the fortunate ones in, in athletics. Um, I've been sort of sponsored by Nike
0: for the last seven years. and, and you know, So you're, you're an individual athlete. You've been yep. doing that for a long time. You've, you've gone out there and done uh, some prac hours at Hawthorne, yep. a football club in the AFL, where you've got a chance to see a well-oiled machine that's a t- in a team sport. Yep. What have you learned from that?
2: Yeah, well, it's one thing I envy being an individual athlete, just having that support structure and sort of that leadership there. And, you know, whereas a lot of, for me, I have to take on a lot of those responsibilities in my sort of everyday life. But, um, yeah, it was amazing. Like, you know, because my my athletics coach is a high-performance manager there and I've been using their facilities since I was pretty much 19, 20. Um, so I know a lot of the guys and they, I pretty much just got free access just to see sort of, how they work and and one thing I really took away from it was it's not about the best five or ten players it's, it's about the players from 40 to 46 on the list and it's just sort of there's a really good camaraderie and a, you know there's a lot of guys that show really great leadership qualities and you know I remember watching a tackling drill and Gibson took one of the young boys Sicily aside and, and sort of really taught him how to tackle properly um, and it's sort of that sort of I think that you know, and, and Mark Robinson wrote an article this year that that Hawthorne won't win the grand final because I think they've played 36 players on their list, which has never been heard of in in football. Um, but I think that's a that's a sign of the strength of culture, and um, and that's one thing I've really sort of enjoyed, and and sort of you know listening to Malcolm Speed at, at uni give guest lectures and you know, really look into the whole Essendon saga and and sort of seeing where that went wrong. You know, I'm really, and then I had the opportunity to speak with Simon Hollingsworth, who's the CEO of, um, or he's the head at the ASC, the Australian Sports Commission, and and chat around, you know, leadership and governance issues. And, um, you know, I've really sort of taken a real sort of interest in that, those sort of areas. So it's nice to have a bit of options or you know i'm just a i'm a bit of a sponge i like to absorb from everybody pretty much
0: well we're certainly uh enjoying absorbing from you we're running out of time uh jeff what would be the golden nugget that you would um of, of advice that you give to someone who was perhaps younger on in their journey as a you know maybe a teenager or thinking about moving into track and field or becoming a professional athlete
2: yeah um, well, one of the guys I that I train with, and I've sort of taken him under my wing as sort of an apprentice, and he just finished fifth at the World Juniors in the fifteen hundred, and just sort of mindset um, and knowing what you want, like your goals, and and how you're going to get there, and and sticking to it, and not sort of just you know going with the shotgun effect and spraying bullets everywhere, but sort of just being really direct and. And it's hard for the young kids because there's a lot of peer pressure and a lot of pressure for other things, and and that's one of the things that you know I was I was good enough to have I had that ability just to to block all that out and enjoy it, but you know be really motivated. Um, yeah, just got to stick at it.
0: Um, Thing that um, just earlier, just to digress briefly, you talked about how you'd had this amazing um, last twelve months across the 2014 season yeah Australian record um, et cetera etc when you, when, you, when your ego kicks in, um, does that is that something you know when you, when you're proud of something like that is, yeah. it, is there a potential that it can also derail you, Have you found? In terms of um, settling like when you've done something really well, it's important to feel good about it. Yeah, um, but equally, if you feel too good about it, there can be the risk that um, you know you, you make you make decisions for the wrong reasons, or you start you know believing your own bullshit to use the old Australian vernacular.
2: Yeah, and you know I, I did all those great things, and I came home uh, and spent three weeks in an altitude, and then I went back to Europe and did a couple more races, and and ran the Continental Cup against the, sort of the best eight guys in the world, and and you know it. You like I got humbled again <laughs> It's you know running is one of those things where uh, it's it's the toughest sport in the world it's brutal you know there's 200 countries you know it doesn't yeah, require yeah. skill anyone can do it and it just sort of sh- like I went back to Europe and I went on my own I went I met a friend we had a car we had no support network nothing and um, you know I turned up and I, I wasn't mentally 100% on it was I, I like to put it in terms of Hawthorne Football Club just won the grand final. Three weeks later, if they go out and play a football game, mentally they're not going to be very good. Like when you get over that, you know, that the milestone of the year and you've achieved that, for, my, for me, the Commonwealth Games, to then go on and keep competing is really hard. And, you know, some of these guys that I race against, they just have that mental ruthlessness that no matter what, <laughs> they'll just get on the start line and they'll run well. Um, and that's sort of the next step. For me is just to get that consistency and just
0: yeah, you know just I guess where I was going to really badly with that previous question, yeah um, you know that 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 belief that comes from acknowledging that you've done something well earlier, you talked about um, smelling the roses and how you had struggled to do that. I wonder if those people are doing that any better you know are they are they Mm. acknowledging being grateful um,
2: yeah. yeah it's it's, it's hard <laughs> like for, for me one of, one of the, the hardest things about the sport of especially middle distance running is the guys that I'm running against are from countries like Botswana mm. um, Djibouti uh, Ethiopia Kenya Morocco they don't have the standard of living that we have <laughs> so they just you know I go home and I come back to my cushy life and you know I live in Alwood I've got a good lifestyle they don't have the same things that we have and I think that they just have this incredible hunger to be, to change their life and to change the lives of people around them and you know, that's one of the battles for us that, you know, and I just, you know, I, the season to finish for me and I tried really hard to come back and get an altitude tent and keep training but it just got, and then, you know, to fly all the way back to Europe, it's just, it's hard whereas they'll just do anything and
0: Let's let's have our chat again after um, after your next Olympic Games or Commonwealth Games, or, or certainly keep in touch, uh, and maybe you'll be able to give us all some insight into how you how you beat that person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on Careers Unplugged. It's been absolutely fabulous to have you on the show, and the time has flown.
2: Yeah, it has flown.
0: <laughs> what's uh, What's your goal for the next season?
2: Um. Yeah, I'm meeting with my coach tomorrow. I'm starting to plan that out. That's the part I like. You know, I guess that's my exercise science background. I love the planning and the training part of it. But um, yeah, another national title during the domestic season um, and then head over and, you know, we have the world champs in Beijing in the the Olympic Stadium um, in 2015. And yeah, I'd really like to be able to go from being a semi-finalist all the way back in 2009 um, to being a finalist this year. And And just being better than what I was last year, you know, just in in different aspects, more consistency in training and, um, you know, just keep enjoying it and, you know, hopefully I can take a few of these young guys that I sort of mentor and help out and hopefully I can bring them over to Europe again and teach them a bit more and, you know, just enjoy what I'm doing.
0: Well, I had the pleasure of um, uh, many, many years ago one of the very first um, sporting events that I ever organized was a fun run down at Porty Back Beach Okay. Um, when I was a lifesaver down there and it was held in honor of a guy called Percy Serity who was this crazy ass coach the Sand Dunes Correct. Sand Dunes Correct. And, I, and I went around to and I met to his old house and I met his wife uh, yeah. because it would have been his 100th birthday had he still been alive and um, and all these famous people were extended an invitation through his wife, and they came from all over the world. You know, there was Herb Elliott, there was uh, boxers, there was snooker players from all these countries that came down to Portsea Back Beach to be there. The ch- the news were there, um, and just hearing the camaraderie. The I saw the the little shack that they used to sleep in. Yes, yeah. Elliott, Landy, and all those guys, um, four bunks high, and it was about. Two meters wide, and eight guys would sleep. In, yeah, um, you know, and run up the sand dunes. And I know it can be a lonely sport. Um, it was the sport I used to do as a kid. But I, I sense that there is that camaraderie in hearing you talk about that. Hearing you talk about the young guys that you're working with, and and that you can plug into organisations like Hawthorne too, and learn from that experience. Uh, yeah, uh, we have our fingers crossed that your next um, next three years across Olympic Games, Commonwealth Games uh, will be. Absolutely, spectacularly satisfying for you, Jeff. So all the best.
2: Yeah, me too. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. And to all of you at home, in the car or wherever you are, make sure you make a point of joining us at careersunplugged.com. Check out the special video that Jeff has provided that we'll upload onto the site of one of his favorite races from earlier on in his career. There's a bunch of tips, suggestions and all types of resources from many of our guests. This has been Careers Unplugged.